0: Hello,
1: Dave. How are you today on the What Difference Does It Make Podcast?
0: I am doing great today. Really, really great. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm very good. We're talking to Zeb Norris. He is the morning guy and also the program director of 101.7 WCVT Classic Hits Vermont. He was also at WNCS for a number of years. He's He's jumped around. He's a Southern California guy. I guess is Santa Barbara Southern California still?
0: I, I think uh, you're getting into the Central Coast however, he's not just a Southern California. he's up in there he was born in Berkeley and he's worked in San Francisco and Sacramento so he's let's just call him a West Coast guy.
1: He's a radio guy is what what he is. so he's been around so of course we wanted to get him on the show get his take on the top 106.7 songs from 1985, which we've been doing for a while and now we're looking at songs 70 to 61 and we're going to get his take on what exactly he thinks of these songs we're also going to learn a little bit about zeb and what the hell is zeb what is a zeb we'll find out
0: so let's get into it with zeb norris from uh, wcvt
1: on the what difference does it make podcast
0: where you are now you're in vermont are you in montpelier where are you
1: well at this moment i'm in a town called
2: east Callis, which is but the post office is served by the marshfield post office so even though i live in east Callis. I have to say it's Marshfield, which is a typical Vermont thing. So I'm about 15 miles north of Montpelier on a ridge at 1200 feet elevation and there's basically nobody around. So right now I'm, for example, I'm in my home studio and it's an alcove with no walls at the top of the stairs because it's so quiet here, I don't need walls.
1: Wow. That's amazing.
2: And so I moved to Vermont in 2005. And even though I started doing radio here full time, like when I moved, I had a gig voice tracking for some stations on the West Coast. So I kept voice tracking for K Fox, which is a classic rock station in the Bay Area, for like 12 years after I got
1: here, which was fun and, and kind of amusing as well. Back on the West Coast, because you, you started. Did, did you start in Santa Barbara? Or were, were, I did. I did yeah. start in Santa Barbara. Now, I was born and
2: raised in Berkeley, California, which, um, as I like to say, ill prepared me for reality. But um, And started out at KTYD in Santa Barbara, which was a freeform station. Uh, they had a listeners become announcers contest. And I figured out <laughs> who the hosts were going to be among the jocks that they had. So I made sure to play all their favorites in my list that I put together. Uh, and that's how I got the gig.
1: Even then, curating and understanding radio, how radio works, and what what people want to hear.
2: Well, at least I tried. That was the interesting thing about K-Tide. It was freeform, but you weren't really allowed to be super self-indulgent. We had a huge record library and the jocks would mark each track that they liked with their initials. So you could kind of go through and, and see who liked what, and, you know, get some recommendations and put together a show that represented everybody's taste that was on the staff. And hopefully that was going to work for the audience. And in fact, it did at at one point we generally dominated, but at one point I was pulling a 33 share um,
1: <laughs> on the weekends. It was, it was pretty fun. <laughs> All right, so again, the 33 share, well, please explain that, what a share means, just so people oh, can okay. really understand uh, like the, is, the insanity of what that actually means. It, it's
2: a percentage of the listening audience. So I uh, uh, of the people uh, that listened to that weekend show, it was a weekend show I did like overnights and then some weekends. So it's a percentage of the available audience, the people that have their radios on. So one-third of the people that had their radios on in that town were listening to my Saturday show.
1: And right. So you think about all the the radio stations that were on the air, a third of them, you know, it was how many stations, like maybe 40, 40 radio stations. No, this was before
2: the the 80, 90 docket in the 80s. So there were fewer stations then. But yeah, we did get KMET from uh, Los Angeles. We got KBBY out of Ventura. So there were maybe 15, 20 stations available. Yeah. and, and to, to, to be fair, I had a tremendous lead in. We had an oldie show on the weekend and that show was super popular. That jock wound up being
1: a city councilman. That's uh, how popular uh, he was. Oh, okay. I was going to say, uh, Art, was it Art LeBeau? Who was the?
2: No, a guy named Jerry DeWitt, but he pulled a 35 share. So I actually <laughs> oh. wasn't doing quite as good as him. <laughs> he dragged him down.
1: <laughs> so you have the Super Bowl as a lead in. That's kind of nice. Yeah, it, it was kind of nice. And it kind of ties into what was happening at that point in music as well. What year was this, by the way? What, around what time? Uh, well,
2: I started in 76, but we're, we're probably talking about 78, 79 now by the time that I was actually getting some primetime shows. Uh, originally, I was emergency late night fill in, you know. What, what do you expect? He just happened <laughs> the to be there. That won the contest.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: He'll to do anything. So about 78, when I was doing that show that got the great ratings, what I was doing was I'd play an oldie song like um, maybe some Shirelles and then segue into some Blondie. And so I was consciously, frequently making the link between new wave music and classic 60s rock and, and garage rock. And, you know, that music was catching on at the time and ties into the subject of your podcast today, K-R-O-Q.
1: <laughs> Indeed. The station you work for now, actually, Holly will like the call letters because it's her favorite. Um, it's, But they mean something different. You work for CVT. And that means CVT. And for you, Holly.
0: So there is a, and shout out to Joe Nietzsche, there's an ice cream truck here, local in LA. (laughs) He has two trucks, and it's called CVT, and it stands for Chocolate Vanilla Twist.
2: Well, in our case, it stands for Classic Hits Vermont, but maybe we should turn it to Chocolate (laughs) Vanilla Twist. That might be even (laughs) more popular.
0: (laughs) Good combination.
2: Those are classic flavors for sure. I've been at the station for a couple of years. It used to be a classical station. So that's why it was WCVT for classical Vermont. And then I joined a couple of years ago after I left WNCS, which I'd been at for 13 years, AAA station. And what we're doing is very deep classic rock and classic hits library. We do about 2000 songs. So it's quite a bit more than the typical classic hit station.
1: Is it similar to what you were playing at the Tide back in 78? Because it, it seems like it leans he- heavy on the 70s.
2: Yeah, actually, we, we do lean very heavily on the 70s. And yeah, it does have something in common with the Tide. There's probably more a top 40 rock than the Tide would have played at the time. Rather than playing anything at all, like, say, the Little River Band, who we play because their top 40 familiarity, you know, it means that people are going to know those songs. At, at K-Tide, we would have been more likely to play the fourth Melissa Manchester track instead of the little river band but but totally and textually yes definitely there's a lot of k tied in there less van halen and more van morrison is the way i put oh perfect
0: so how does one get from the west coast of california to vermont
2: well in those days how did one not move around (laughs) a lot in radio? I would have stayed in uh, Santa Barbara forever at K-Tide if uh, the station had stayed the same, but things changed over time and the original program director left. A new program director took over, a guy who, he's gone now, he's passed away, but he was pretty well known in the business at one time. His name was Jim Trapp, and he's responsible for naming the AAA format when he worked at a trade publication called The Hard Report. He took over as PD. He wasn't that gifted in terms of getting along with management, so the whole thing kind of blew up after about a year, and so it was time to go, and it was a very difficult Move to make to move out of Santa Barbara to my next market, Sacramento, because Santa Barbara is an idyllic beach town and Sacramento bakes in the summer and is socked in in fog in the winter, you know, people, the, the, the thing that people are proud about in Sacramento is that they can go to Lake Tahoe or San Francisco quickly, but I didn't think being able to get out of town fast was really a recommendation. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of a difficult move for me, but, and I, I think you guys probably didn't even know this, but as it turns out, uh, the gig that I got in Sacramento was at a rock of the 80s station consulted by, Rick Carroll. This was 1983. Was
1: that WOD or was that uh...
2: KPOP? KPOP. Nice. Yeah, and we did rock of the 80s for about I think it was only about three months while I was there, and then they took it top 40, and, and that broke my heart, and I moved on, and so on and so forth. But yeah, I was there for a while at KPOP. And they had one of those sure microphones with a giant windscreen, like it looked like a pill the size Perfect. of your head. You couldn't pop them. You could scream KPOP all day and all night, and that P was not going to pop.
1: What was your first gig as a a music director, program director?
2: Well, the first uh, music director gig was uh, at K-Tide in Santa Barbara. After Jim Trapp was let go, a new PD came in, and he had been a part-timer at the station and also taught communications for the University of Santa Barbara. His name was uh, Jim Lull. And he made me co-music director, which was kind of odd. (laughs) His assistant from the university was also co-music director, and she would interact with the labels while I would
1: audition the music. Okay. So she's like, my hands are tied. My co-director does not appreciate this music. So I'm sorry. I'd love to play it, but I can't. And you (laughs) would,
2: well, in those days it was still pretty loose. So
1: the answer was probably going to be
2: yes. But you know, I, like I said, I wasn't talking to the labels that well, and it took me a while to get used to this sort of stuff. I, you know, sitting in a room and playing records that you dig and talking about them to people without actually having to look at them is a lot different from doing business. And I, I distinctly remember the first time I went out to, I think it was a lunch with a record executive. It was a sushi restaurant, and I can still see the piece of white rice flying out of my mouth, <laughs> headed over to their lapel <laughs> mid-conversation. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not it didn't come easily to me to, to, to do all that stuff, but yeah, you learn after a while, you know.
0: <laughs> Your talent overshadows any of that. I'm not uh, sure.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. No, to <laughs> I, I really feel like I've, I've been in a lot of lucky situations. Like in California, I, I used to hear jocks in uh, the Sacramento Valley or Fresno, who I thought were way better than me. And they didn't get to San Francisco, and I did.
1: So. You know, I, I don't, a lot of it is luck and connections. What made you take the jump? I think you don't have a LinkedIn profile. I couldn't uh, go from, from spot to spot. <laughs> I did on on Facebook, of course he is, it's Zeb Norris, hippie rocker seeker. So I think that <laughs> that pretty much sums it up right there. That's all I need to, that's all you need to know about Zeb. Actually, Zeb, is that short for anything? Uh, Yeah, that's short for Zebity. <laughs> is it really? Zebedee, yeah.
2: Zebedee, it's, it's, like, it's, like it's Zebedee die. My parents gave me, but that's what it's short for. <laughs> okay. Like what I name? said, I, I grew up in Berkeley uh, in the <laughs> 60s. You'll see on my Facebook page, you saw that there's a banner uh, of a picture of a basically a giant protest going on. And you'll see me in the sunglasses over there, 15 years old, at the front of the protest. So that was kind of the Berkeley scene. And my real name is pretty boring. I mean, that's not literally what it is. It's not pretty boring, two words, but it is pretty boring. So I needed something that was going to be distinctive. And so I, I picked Zebedee, and it wound up sticking my whole life. Is that based on anything? I got it out of Webster's Dictionary that had a name section. I found out later it's biblical in its origin. Uh, Zebedee was the father of James and John the Apostles, and he did not want them going off with that hippie JC guy. He wanted them <laughs> to stick around and fish, I believe it was.
1: So Seeker does does fit you perfectly then.
2: Well, I think it would actually just fit his sons
1: better. Yeah. But they well. weren't supposedly
2: too bright because there was a, <laughs> uh, a joke in the Bible about them being stymied by the question, who are the sons of Zebedee?
1: <laughs> it was them. <laughs> you found the joke in the Bible. Oh, wow, that's how about the, that? Well, yeah, it's it's the one. <laughs> that's the one joke, and you, I need to name my myself after this. Okay, perfect. Elder. Okay, talking to Zebediah Zeba Zebedoo, Zebedee 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 Norris. Getting a little background on his story. We need to talk about the songs that were played on K Rock in 1985. But first, we're gonna take a break
0: Welcome back to the "What Difference Does It Make" podcast, and our guest Zeb Norris.
1: Why don't we get into this? So let's we're going to we're looking at the songs that KROQ in Los Angeles played back in 1985. This is their top 106.7 songs, and we've been looking at at it in ten song chunks, and so it kind of gives kind of a snapshot of what K Rock was playing, and it's quite an eclectic bunch. Because you work for a classic hits station, maybe you might say, you know, if you consider these songs classic hits, if this might be some lost classic like brad savage has a, 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 a he's got his thing called sorry not sorry will he'll play one of these songs i don't know if this might be something that you would put on i know exactly i, I love that, that sounds like brad all right well you know like you said we kind of lean 70s uh, we play a
2: smattering of 80s and we do play one of the songs that we'll be talking about today okay. um, but uh, mostly we lean a little more seven and guitar based and that's uh, an important distinction in the songs we're going to hear today there wouldn't be a lot going on without a sinclair and a fair light.
0: We're going to try and get yeah.
1: the songs you play today. I have an idea. I have a couple okay. of ideas. All right. And by the way, where were you in 1985? What was, the- let's see, 1985. So I left K-pop
2: in 84. So in 85, I, I went from K-pop to K-Zap in Sacramento, and then I went up to Seattle, Tacoma, and did a weird Top 40 AM thing with oldies with uh, Jim Trap. So in 85, I was in Tacoma
1: at wow. K-A-M-T. Um, I love that you went from pop to zap. That's kind of a. (laughs) The program director when I quit said,
2: have fun with your hippie
1: friends. (laughs) And you have the rest of your life. That's what you've been doing. You've taken that advice to heart. Okay,
2: Bill. Sounds good.
0: (laughs) That would sound like a genuine send off to me. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah. We're gonna do songs seventy to sixty-one. This is what we got for you, and we're starting okay. off with a with a guy from the seventies. This is a Canadian Italian, Gino Vanelli, and the song is "Black Cars." I kind of like the, this song. It's uh, although it is super eighties, the sound, but uh, I. I started listening to a lot of Gino Vanelli after after listening to this song. What did what oh, did he, really? Yeah. Yeah, he was actually was kind of into Gino Vanelli before that. His album tracks would show some interest, but
2: the hits were a little bit more on the AC side. And I don't know if you uh, remember the the skits spoofing him in sctv yes yes i was good to... <laughs> that's one of my favorites eugene, eugene levy, levy would, yeah eugene. yeah each time he would turn around while singing <laughs> i just want to stop he'd have more wolfman hair on him until the wolfman hair had taken over the whole thing you know vanelli sporting an afro like mine in his early days but for black cars he got a haircut a
1: Actually, Gino Pinelli, one of the first white solo artists to be on Soul Train. Case oh, know. really? Yeah, yeah. You can look that up on YouTube, He's his performance. He's doing. He's kind of like a balladeer, but, the, you know, soulful. He had a soulful sound.
2: Well, uh, I've, like I said, I also thought he had some interesting stuff going on on the albums. But, yeah, the hits were pretty much steered towards... AC in the most for the most part. Now, this is v- hypersynthesized. And I, I must admit that uh, to refresh my memory on these songs, I went back and looked at the videos.
1: Yeah, um, good. Which is what and, Yeah, uh, what you're supposed I, you to know, do. I
2: don't, <laughs> I don't know who came first, Gino Vanelli with black cars or Robert Palmer with Addicted to Love in those videos, but they seem to have hired the same models with the lipstick.
1: Yeah, so true. <laughs>
0: all I can see, Dave, your comment about Richard Marx. Now all I can see when I look at him is Richard Marx. Yeah. <laughs> in this video in particular.
1: Yeah, 85 was a certain sound that, you know, like keyboards and, and synthesizers started making appearances. D- did you like that? Was that something like in 85? Did you like where pop music That's was?
2: In general, I preferred the alternative sound that Rick Carroll, who programmed KROQ, was doing just a few years earlier when labels weren't necessarily making music for him and MTV. yeah. Now, at this point, it's starting to be a pop thing, and they're targeting MTV. And that's okay. It was great, Aaron, everything. But I, I, f- I found, say, uh, XTC more interesting than Richard Marks, personally. Yeah. Or Gino Vanelli. Or, or Gino Vanelli. Or
1: Gino Vanelli.
0: <laughs> Definitely wasn't, I don't believe, was ever played on KROQ.
1: It's amazing that they, you would think, like, uh, when you see Gino Vanelli, you wouldn't think KROQ. Like, oh, yeah, of course, 85. Yeah, they were playing him. It made it up to number 70, which is crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It is amazing. Let's go into number 69. This is the Thompson Twins. This is the uh, first of three songs that are on this chart. This is Don't Mess With Dr. Dream. And I forgot to put the link on this. Did you Did you give a listen to uh, to this song? I did. And
2: this is one that I didn't remember, the Dr. Dream song. I believe that it reminded me of, it, it seemed like it was almost a direct lift of we are the Robots by Kraftwerk from oh, 1978 yeah.
3: or so. We are charging power, victory. And now we are full energy. We are the robots.
2: Uh, that, that was what stuck out to me. Uh, it seemed like a fun song. In, in general, uh, l- looking back, it's like if there was a hit video for these songs, then people remember. And if it wasn't a hit video, everybody's forgotten. Kind of
1: true, yeah.
0: It I- is true. I didn't even remember that this was produced by Nile Rodgers. That's was kind of what makes it stand out, yeah.
1: It does give it a little hipness factor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we always we do ask about Live Aid in 1985, and you were in Tacoma. So was this something that they played on the radio there? Like you know, okay, here's the the updates on what's going on, on uh, for Live Aid. Live
2: Aid. I don't remember doing anything around Live Aid, and I think at that time I had a broken TV because I remember the <laughs> space shuttle blew up and I never saw it. So it might have not been something that that, that we were focused on. I remember trying to tell a trade publication that we were putting we are the world into number one on release and they said you can't do that so that was the only (laughs) thing i really remember tying into one of these world charity efforts at that at that moment
1: i love that you your tv was broken you're like all right what am i gonna do i mean what am i gonna get a new tv no no i'm just that is
0: very hippie
1: (laughs) yeah and you still probably had it did you still have it on the stand even though it was broken um, I think I did. Of course you did. Yeah. You know,
2: just jockey wages aren't exactly generous. <laughs> well, that, that is true. TVs used to be expensive.
1: You I can get one the size of the wall for a postage stamp. Yeah, I, I know. That's true. They were probably, my daughter just bought this ginormous TV, probably for the same price as, as you know, like a color TV oh, in, uh, right. in 1985. Oh my, it's insane. Let's keep moving along. The number 68, Pete Townsend's Face the Face. Solo Pete Townsend. What do we think of this?
0: Is this the one?
1: No, this is not okay. the one
2: that we play at uh, WCVT Classic Hits Vermont, 1017 streaming at ClassicHitsVermont.com.
1: Ding. It's, uh, <laughs> a
2: it, I'm just hurt. stunned that KROQ played anything by Pete Townsend ever. And if they did, I would have expected maybe my generation or... You know, yeah. something really uh, loud, punky, and snotty, but uh huh, face to face, they played that,
1: huh? Yeah, they played a lot of uh, AOR stuff. They played, uh, you know, Rolling Stones, what would, what? Phil call Co- um Elton John? They played this, uh, Elton in, this year, they played Elton John. Um, what was it, Millie Jackson? Oh, yeah, Uh-oh. the duet with Millie Jackson, Act of, yeah, Act of War, Act of War. yeah. yeah no that was, no, I mean, that, famous, that was in, aren't they
2: a little past their sell by date at this point no in
1: 85 they played Elton John and Millie Jackson this oh. act of war
0: at least some surprises oh, on oh. this on this oh, okay. list other All than, right. than Pete
2: Townsend
1: yeah that's why no, we do I this
2: even though I was in Santa Barbara I couldn't hear them because they had um, a pretty low power signal that wouldn't get to Santa Barbara Yeah. Uh, so when I was listening to alternative radio before I went north it would be the one out of San Diego because that would come in <laughs> like this song though. i mean it- it's an okay song it, it's pete townsend and it's not his worst work um, <laughs> I, I thought the, the wow glass album from a few years uh, before that was a lot more interesting face the face is um a little bit similar to rough boys from that album which was lyrically controversial because pete was coming out as bi face the face is more riffing on uh, the mod thing you know with, with the face Mm-hmm. I mean, it, so it's an okay song. I, I don't dislike it, but
1: I, I don't think it's. We're not
2: still playing this, and I don't think it's his best work.
1: Yeah, he's almost like rapping the the lyrics in a way, in a 1985 type way. Did you watch him dance though? Did you watch this video? His, his little gingerbug. <laughs> I, I already knew those song, so I didn't watch the video for this. One. <laughs> he dances. He does. Uh, he dances. Uh, you know, kind of quotes like, okay. he's like it was white boy disease type uh, movement. I, I don't you have a guitar on me. Guitar I don't know. Dance judge. Yeah.
0: No, I was actually thinking that maybe this video was made to work with the way he danced <laughs> <laughs> so that it didn't look so, cause it didn't look awkward. I mean, it's a weird dance, but it didn't look awkward to me. It kind of fit the video. And I also had another thought while I was watching, I think um, Ray Fiennes could play him in the, the who rock duck,
2: The the, the biopic. Yeah. 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 Although, You might need a little help with the windmilling, but yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, despite the kind of a mainstream, it made it up to number 26. And uh, it was a rock, it made it up to number three on the mainstream rock chart. So people, I think, you know, Pete got a lot of mileage uh, with the name on this song. Well,
2: And and, and Pete is, in a way, the, the, the grandfather of the garage rock, punk sneer at uh, the establishment style of rock and roll. I mean, he's, he, it's hard to beat him at
1: that game. Yeah. All right, here we go. This, this is simple minds. Sanctify yourself. This was one of Holly's favorites. And this is the first of three songs that are on the K rock charts. What do you think of simple minds back in 1985?
2: I loved simple minds in 85 and I still like and admire them. The once upon a time album that I'm guessing all three of these songs came from really, really good album. Uh, the band showed a lot of promise before that then they broke through with Don't You Forget About Me which was a number one pop hit but they didn't write it and then with this album they turned to their own sound and got production that really brought everything to the fore and I just thought that this stuff was spectacular and it's really stood the test of time
1: Yeah, is this a
2: classic hit for you? Uh, do we play it? No, we don't. We play "Don't You Forget About Me" because it was number one. Yeah,
0: yeah, this song. And watching this video, did you watch the video? I did not. Were- oh, I don't forget because I do <laughs> love them and I still listen to them. Good performers too. It was a good performance. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I've seen them a couple of times and they are good performers. I saw them in when I was living in the Seattle area in '85. And it was funny. He threw his hat into the audience and then was mad that people wouldn't
1: throw it back. <laughs> <laughs> Live in a society, people. Come on. But it went, in 85, it, I guess it still works. But it, it feels like it's so produced. A lot of these uh, arena rock sounds, you know, like... Mm-hmm. But I, I guess it still holds it. Like, Sanctify Yourself, it's a great jam. <laughs>
2: well, it's a good song. They've got a spectacular drummer. And I know what you mean about the gloss and sheen on it, but it's not overproduced the way some of the other songs that we're hearing on the list are. And, and I think that's why it does stand up. And there's also, that guitar aspect helps it not sound like
1: it's just totally 80s. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it rock. This song rocks.
1: The whole album rocks. Back into Holly territory, this is, um, we're, we're talking uh, Power Station, Bang-a-Gong. This is number 66. If you're a fan of Duran Duran, you were going crazy because they, you know, they formed two separate bands and you were either Team <laughs> Power, team Power Station Durand. or Team Arcadia. First of all, I'm sure you were a fan of the original. Do you like this Power Station version?
2: I was a fan of the original, and I, uh, at the time, enjoyed the Power Station version. This is the one out of this list that we play at Classic Hits from all Okay. And the, Makes the fact sense. that it's a cover of a T-Rex classic helps. The production is so... <laughs> There's about uh, 10 to 12 seconds of synthesized drum noise at the intro of even the single version. And I I dispensed with that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Cut to the chase. Robert Palmer, uh, I think, is an exciting vocalist. I love the harder edge sounds that uh, the guys from Duran Duran were getting. I love the chic tie-in. So it was a fun record. Is it the greatest thing ever? No, it's it's a fun record. Yeah. You know, I think even Robert Palmer did more substantial work. But it's a fun
0: record. Cat and black, don't look back and I love, you dirty and sweet, you? in the you got the teeth of the hydra upon you, you dirty, sweet, and you my God Get it up. they mentioned the it's time. a fun one yeah <laughs> it was of the times i mean it was a mid-80s yeah song version
1: of it yeah it was kind of fun because everyone knew the song but then it was just like this totally 80s version of it and it was yeah. it is very fun because yeah robert palmer tony thompson of chic of course you got your john taylor and andy taylor and, right. and Bernard right. Edwards also of of Sheik. It
0: had everything.
1: Yes, it had everything. It was a great record uh, for its time, not necessarily ground
2: shaking. And so, so, where is it on this list for KRQ? We're about sixty. We're at sixty six. Yeah. I figures, that's about right. Yeah,
1: say <laughs> placed perfectly, so, uh, as you say. Bang a Gong was placed perfectly. Did you ever compile one of these like firecracker five hundred?
2: I guess when I was doing Rock of the Eighties, we did do a retrospective at the end of '93, going into '94, and I had little blurbs written about the bands. But it was you know, that station with it was in the middle. It was in Roseville, so it was forty miles outside of Sacramento. Uh, down a dirt road with a beaver, literally a beaver pond behind the station. Um, So the whole thing was sort of all,
1: you know, uh,
2: smoke and mirrors. (laughs)
1: Like everything. It's like all radio. It's just all smoke and mirrors. Well, your studio looks pretty nice. Well, it's a garage is what it is. (laughs) you're right I see the right. Yeah, door. see there's a yeah, right there. Yeah, there we go. Right there. Let's go. Number 65, The Cult, She Sells Sanctuary. Here they were a little more leaning more towards the Cure possibly, a little a little bit guitar further down the road Rick Rubin takes them on and they they become a hard rock band. But uh do you like uh, She Sells Sanctuary? I do, but I don't
2: hear sonically that much difference between it and Fire Woman that they did a couple of albums later. I agree. Oh, really? Just don't think it's that different. When looking at the video, this was a band that could present themselves on video above average. I like the guitar texture, the sound is exciting. holly this was this is kind of a hard rocking song
0: oh this it, is great i i was into this at the time and and this kind of music i was all over it and i really liked his look also you uh-huh. know he had a good look it was glam hard rock yeah i really i really like that i dug that and he has a great i mean i thought he had a great voice for the type of music that it is yeah,
2: yeah. and he, i don't know if you remember this but then he went on to front the doors some yeah. years later yeah
0: yes And a really good fit. I didn't, until I, I I didn't remember that. And then when I read it, I thought, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Let's go to number 64. This is a song by a band called The Armory Show. And the song is Castles in Spain. It was kind of like a power station, like some super group with, uh, you know, if you remember Magazine or The Skids. I don't know. These guys came together, formed this band, and we have this song we
2: Did you guys remember this before you started looking at this list? Not at all. Me neither. Not at all. My impression of the song from watching the video was that they were kind of an also-ran uh, for bands with that sound. They kind of reminded me of The Fix without being that yeah. scary lyrically yeah. uh, or having that distinctive of a look. Well, that may have helped them, though, because The Fix were not popular in Britain, and this is clearly a British band. Yeah. I, I, I just I didn't think there was anything great about it. it it's not horrible, just, yeah.
1: Okay, sounds it was fitting. fine. Yeah, yeah, it was fine. Right, I listened to it and then I and then I completely forgot about it. Like I can't recall anything from I've I've listened to it a couple of times and I still can't recall the chorus or uh, the hook or anything. Yeah, so, which I didn't is-
2: understand why it's called Castles in Spain even. Um, <laughs>
1: it,
2: it, 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 I watched these in reverse order, so I went from this to She Sell Sanctuary by the Cult, and their moves were just so much better. They made these guys look like they were didn't know what to do with themselves, and so it was kind of like halfway between the fix and aha
1: yeah all right so then there's our segue right there into number 63 lovely this is a radio guy i love this okay the sun always shines on tv by aha who are actually holly they're playing the hollywood bowl sixteen thousand seats in night in 2022 uh, with an orchestra so aha is on their way back Of uh, of the band?
2: Well, first of all, what's their big hit called? (laughs) Come on, come on, Savvy. (laughs) Turn on me, turn me on. Take on me. Take on me. Thing
1: there you go. Name. You got um, it.
2: <laughs> this song is inescapable and tests brilliantly through the roof. So I'm not surprised that they can tour on the strength of that song. I didn't remember this one at all. Oh, really? The uh. only thing I know from them is "Take on Me," and I couldn't even remember the name. So you know.
1: Um, <laughs> okay, so it's trivia time. Here we go. Best new artist in 19. 19- this was 1986. So the best new artist for 1985. We had Aha. We had Julian Lennon, we had Katrina and the Waves, Freddie Jackson, and Charday. Who won Best New Artist? I don't know, but I would have voted for Charday. I was all over that record. Okay. Holly, who do you?
0: I th- I'm guessing it was Sade.
1: That is correct. Very good. Both of you. Surprisingly, the Grammys got it right that year. It took a little while for that record
2: to break through, which I yeah. kind of didn't get because to me it sounded like a hit right off the bat, but it did not sound like anything else on the radio at the time. Oh, she's still amazing.
1: She disappears for like five years. Then she comes back. She looks more amazing than ever and just, yeah. and comes out with a great <laughs> a great new record. And then she disappears again. And the production's always <laughs> spectacular. Oh, unbelievable. I know. I, I, I'm hoping she'll come back. Again. I know we're talking about Chardet. Just come on. That, uh, just <laughs> unbelievable.
2: Yeah. You know, it's funny.
1: As soon as we had the opportunity to talk about Chardet, <laughs> I
2: was all over it.
1: <laughs> Number 62, Howard Jones. Things can only get better. Cheer up, Zeb. Come on. Why why so gloomy? Come on. Things can only get better. I never uh, really understood how Howard Jones was
2: alternative. He had a haircut like he was in uh, a flock of seagulls. I'll grant him that. <laughs> yeah. And he, he used the, the fair lights and the sin very nicely. But to me, this is just a pop song. It's like total pop. And aren't all his stuff. Now, aren't they all like AC hits now? I mean, I, I get it. It was the, the synthesizers of the time, but it just,
1: just sounds like pop. It doesn't even sound like KROQ. I'm like, what really? Yeah. But that was a sound like that sound from 85.
3: We're not scared to lose it all
1: Security's run through the wall Future dreams we have to realize A thousand skeptic hands won't keep us from the things we plan Unless we're clinging to
0: the the new wave
1: pulse
0: whether or not we consider it new wave
1: yeah but it did segue nicely into ac territory it's just it was just kind of straddled that you know instead of rock and new wave this was kind of like uh you know rock and ac
0: he had the vision i want my songs to be played for all eternity
1: yeah like like are. Gino Vanelli or something, just kind of like this. Yeah, it. you know, <laughs> it, 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 having a hit
2: isn't a sin, and not at all. I can't blame an artist for wanting to do it, and he did it, and he has some hits that are still played. Not my f- favorite musician, but it's not Quiet Riot or Twisted Sister. Uh, I, I, I can take Howard Jones. I, I, I
1: can do that. <laughs> so we're talking a little bit about hair. What did Zeb? What was Zeb's hair in uh, 1985? What was your look? I know we had. I've seen the the 70s with the the big afro yeah and I
2: think I still had pretty much the big afro in eighty five in eighty six I got hired at Cas in San Jose, and there's some embarrassing pictures of me with <laughs> something that's dangerously close to a mullet <laughs> okay
1: Yay. Uh, but
0: uh,
2: yeah, but yeah, I was uh, looking more like Gino Vanelli than uh, than a flock of seagulls in eighty five I, I just had the naturally curly hair and flaunted. Really big sure. into hair products you maybe you can tell, so you know, <laughs> flaunted yeah, if you, you got a good
1: it head of hair. yeah, yeah, yeah it's still. still.
2: It's great.
0: Yeah. And we are fans of the mullet. Mm-hmm.
2: Are you?
1: Oh, yeah. uh, I like the party in the back aspect. There's the business <laughs> in the front Yeah, sure. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. You never went perm, though. You had the naturally curly hair, so you didn't have to perm it up at no, all. No,
2: no perms. No Good perms. for you.
1: Yeah, you'd be bald if you did. Keep it big and, and <laughs> fluffy. Yeah, keep it rocking. Like yeah, like Neil oh, Sean. You know,
2: that that look was was not very popular with the opposite <laughs> sex in the eighties. Um, I was having trouble getting arrested, and then the mullet didn't help.
1: I, it was kind of weird. I, I don't understand why that didn't help. Didn't <laughs> oh wow, well, we we live, we learn. All right, so we're moving on to number sixty-one. This is our last song, The Eurythmics. Would I lie to you? Do you like? Uh, did you like this? Uh, it's kind of a Eurythmics pivot to the Motown sound. They had some horns. I, I, I like
2: Eurythmics. I like Dave Stewart. I like Annie Lennox. And I liked them since they were together in a band called The Tourists. Oh, yeah. Before Eurythmics. This was a band that was led by a guy named Pete Coombs. So they weren't doing the writing for the most part. But uh, Annie Lennox is a front woman. If the Pretenders hadn't come along, the Tourists would have been a lot bigger. So I already knew who they were when uh, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This came out. can't believe that they did that on, what, a four-track cassette or something insane yeah. like that. Um, then they got a budget, and, and they made great records still. And Would I Lie to You is another great record. It had a weird-ass intro on the single where they, it, it had a, it was like a slow build-up that didn't really work for the single, so they did some weird echo thing. But uh, it, it just slammed right into the song, and it's a slamming song, and I do enjoy this one. This one, to me, has withstood the test of time. No, I didn't, because I already knew the song so well. All
1: right, so yeah, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you, Holly. So there's a little bit of acting in the video, which they used to do in the '80s. We're like, okay, let's see what uh, let's see what our rock stars can do. Did you like this little side story where Annie is dating this motorcyclist who's uh, obviously not treating her well?
0: Of course, I did, (laughs) and I loved her. Her, you know, becoming uh, empowered. Or empowering herself she is just mesmerizing to me she always oh. has been everything she does every look she is has you know taken on and dave stewart i mean he's he is fabulous i love the fact we talk about him a lot on the podcast because he's done so much yeah that he is so great at what he does and he can still walk into a room and not necessarily be recognized by everybody but watching him in this video, he was also mesmerizing to me. He was he performing, and you don't see him perform like that so much. You know, he was rocking on the guitar. <laughs> I, yeah, I like this. I mean, it was dated, of course. But, yes, I like the story. I just, like, you can't take your eyes off her when, when she is either performing or acting. You know, Dave, I, did you like the video?
1: I, the video I did not like. I don't need Annie to be, you know, just kind of treated by this motorcyclist and then dave stewart saying you know just like backstage just like be yourself tonight Uh, you know of course you know the name of the album was be and that's that was his advice to her Uh, and then they get to the song like okay don't you know don't bore us get to the chorus come on i want to hear the song i don't need any of this acting (laughs) or they didn't cut the video the way they did the single with the weird right to it (laughs) yeah as long as we're talking your station you're the morning guy right yep morning guy
2: pd Chief cook and bottle washer. Uh, it's me and a voice tracker.
1: Yeah. You enjoying it? Do you enjoy the morning show now? Or are you? you know?
2: um, I, I do. I don't enjoy getting up at 3 a.m. And yeah. it can be challenging in Vermont. Uh, it was minus five degrees when I left the house this morning. And driving on sheets of ice requires a certain amount of special skill. It's been interesting in Vermont for me because I'm bizarrely respected and considered a part of the community, and this hasn't happened to me in radio before. I'm used to being about as welcome as a used car salesman. I distinctly remember introing shows in San Francisco for The Rocker, KRQR, and people would boo. Uh, You know, you have to have a thick skin. So the idea that I'm respected is kind of, it's enjoyably different for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) well-earned. It's well-earned. It's, you know, another part of being... Uh, having some age, some experience, like okay, we re- we recognize this guy, we can trust him. You've got to. Tr- well,
2: also, you know, when I started in radio, every time I turned on the microphone, I was terrified. And um, after forty six years, you get a little more relaxed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> huh. Well, you'd never know, but right. I, I do understand what you're about, like really feeling a part of the community. There to be, there's something desirable about that, and I guess in a smaller. You
2: know, a smaller town. small. Yeah, a smaller state. Yeah, the whole state is 600,000 people, which is Yeah. Um, San Francisco has more people than that, the, the city proper. And, and I'm not even a big frog. I'd say I was a medium frog in a small pond. But mm-hmm. it, it's nice just, you know, people recognize me from my voice, and they don't generally go, oh, God, you're awful. Um, so, <laughs> so it's nice. Yeah. As they might in San
0: Francisco.
2: <laughs> yeah, as they might, yeah.
1: All right. Finally, the hard-hitting question. The Rock Hall is coming up. We've got some nominees. There are a number of him. Do you have five favorites? I guess, who do you think is going to go in, or who would you personally like to see in there?
2: Okay, well, I'd better get the list then. Uh, Devo, uh, if it was me, I would vote for Devo. But uh, Duran Duran, fan votes are huge, so I think they have a good chance. Dolly Parton, Country Hall of Fame. Love Dolly, great humanitarian. Um, I would rather have lunch with Dolly Parton than anybody on this list, but Rock Hall of Fame, I don't think so. Rage Against the Machine, yes. Lionel Richie, no. Carly Simon, okay. Tribe Called Quest, okay. Dionne Warwick, okay. Now, only five of them can get in, so what am I saying here? Pat Benatar, Duran Duran, Eurythmics, and I guess probably
1: number five's a wild card. I, I don't have a strong opinion. That's all right. I think we covered it all. We did it. Thank you. Yay. Yay. As always, uh, a pleasure. And uh, yeah, always. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for indulging us. Thank you for inviting me. It was fun to talk about music. So what is the, what's the number one song for 1985? Oh, I can't spoil that. Come on. Let's throw some songs against the wall. And okay. Gina Vanelli. Sure. I don't know. Make them 70. That's fine. I don't care. does it matter? (laughs) These are just numbers. No one's going to be talking about this 40 years from now. What the hell do we care? (laughs) Oops. Yeah, right? I'm
0: so, not sure there was any real science behind it
2: at the time. <laughs> well, Rick Carroll's long gone, so there's no need for him to be embarrassed, and he invented a format that has carried on to this day, facing some challenges, but, uh, yeah, good on Rick.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, and good on you. And the station's doing well. You've been there for a couple of years now. and uh... Yeah, the first year that I was there,
2: they did not. They, they said, okay, you're hired. And I said, great. And they said, but you can't touch the music. And I was like, what, wait? <laughs> so I would get frustrated, and my wife would say, well, honey, it's your retirement job. You can stop <laughs> carrying. And I was like, well, that doesn't really suit me. So then eventually they gave me the keys to the, the music, and I'm having a lot more fun. The jingles went away, and the ratings have something like tripled, although I'm not supposed to know ratings so uh, i've heard that they are good but i don't have any actual numbers but um i'm having fun uh station's growing loved my last station but it was time for a change and i'm still having fun that's all that matters yeah
0: why aren't you supposed to know the ratings
2: because if you don't purchase the ratings you're not supposed to ever have any information about them and if you do you're not ever supposed to share it so you'll note that i didn't say anything very specific i said some very vague things and the ratings now i don't know if you knew this but nielsen if you don't purchase the ratings your numbers are not published anywhere so it's very hard to find out anything even from people that purchase the ratings so really that information is very opaque and
1: i don't know how i found this out Who owns the, this station?
2: It's owned by a guy named Ken Squire.
1: I love that. Who, uh, it's a guy. I love that you say it's a guy who owns the station. Yeah. It's, it's a guy. He's, uh, he's 86 years old. His dad started the station.
2: It's been independently owned and operated for 90 years. That's the, the flagship of the, the station. That's WDEV, which is a local news talk. And they're pretty famous station in their own right, just for being a folksy Vermont station. One of their most famous shows is Ken's show on Saturday mornings, Music to Go to the Dump By. (laughs) That's literally what it's called. Because in Vermont, you don't have the garbage people come and pick up your garbage. You take it to the dump. So, so that, that, that he owns the station and uh, and, and it's completely independent and, and it's a hoot. It's such a change. The last station I worked at, the owner was notoriously difficult. I actually enjoyed him, but uh, he was notoriously difficult. Ken, every time I see him, tells me how much he enjoys my show. And uh, so that's a real big change.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. What a
0: treat. Wow. Yeah. Do something you love in your. Re- you, cons- you really consider yourself retired? It, well, no, I'm
2: working <laughs> full-time. But when I was at yeah. WNCS for that 13 years, I generally worked 60 hours a week because we had a much bigger promotional profile and because playing new music takes time. And now I'm working more like 40 hours a week, and, and I'm enjoying that. I, I can't do 60 hours a week anymore. As uh, I'm done doing that. It's been a long career, and I'm still having fun, but I'm, I'm not up for that level of c- commitment and, yeah. and effort. Uh, you know, physically, it, it wouldn't work for long.
0: So you're just backing out
2: of the room. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm, I'm still having fun. I don't have any intention of stopping at this yeah. point, but um, I definitely
1: needed to stop working 60 hours a week. Yeah. yeah. All right. And Vermont is home. This is where you belong.
2: I, I suppose. I don't know. For now, um, I,
1: <laughs> I, I, we love
2: Vermont, and it's got a lot to, to offer. Um, I still uh, we, we have a house in Santa Barbara, so it's possible
1: we could go back there. I just don't know. Very good. Very cryptic and very... bi-coastal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're a bicoastal person. I love it. As you should be. Yeah, which is, you
2: know, uh, unusual in radio these days. People don't move around the way that I have. But, yeah, this is my second stint on the East Coast. People in California tend to think, oh, how can you live anywhere else? But you know what? A lot of people do, and it works for them.
1: Yeah. Well, it's working out well for you. That's great. You're a beloved uh, community member of. uh...
2: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like Chris in the morning.
1: I I have no idea what that means. (laughs) <laughs> but, oh, Chris in the morning was the uh, the DJ on Northern Exposure.
2: So it was a, oh, a tiny, tiny town in Alaska. And, and he would read poetry and
1: philosophize and play a few records. That's funny. I, I do remember watching the show, but okay. I, can, I forgot Chris in the morning. Nice. Thank you again so much. No problem. Apparently, once you get me started, I won't stop talking. <laughs> like everyone. That's why we love oh, Thank you.
0: Yeah. We needed that.
1: My pleasure. Cheers. Gotta run, See so you far. around. Bye. All right, Holly. Another one for the archives. That was Songs 70 the 61 from 1985 that were played on KROQ. Did you enjoy these, uh, these songs?
0: I really enjoyed these songs. And like with every 10 song chunk, there are a couple of surprises. And I would say that Gino Vanelli was the biggest surprise in this one to me. What do you
1: think? Gino Vanelli is a big surprise. Yeah, quite a career, actually. Uh, you know, his first hit was in 1974. His final hit was in 1987. You know, he's been around for a while. So good on Gino Vanelli. I was happy to see him on the charts. I was happy that Zeb remembered the uh, Eugene Levy impersonation from SCTV because that was also something that uh, stuck in my brain forever.
0: That is a must. Of course, anytime somebody references SCTV, you know what they're talking
1: about. I'm all in. Yeah. We do this every week we release new episodes every Friday, so please subscribe.
0: And please check us out on YouTube. We have our YouTube channel and we will put clips, outtakes from this chat with Zeb and also on all social media at WDDIM Podcast.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks to Zeb Norris, hippie rocker seeker Zeb Norris at 101.7 WCVT Classic Hits for Mons. Of course, you can listen online anywhere that you are. He's on the morning, so if you're up in LA at 3 a.m., you can listen to him there for you all the time so is holly holly you there for me every week
0: i am here for you every week and then some
1: wonderful good to hear okay so until next week then this is dave
0: this is holly check you later over and out
3: it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football